Welcome back to Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations. This is your host, Ivan Lozano. And I just want to remind you, subscribe and share. Give us a five-star rating. Sometimes it's a little hard to search for it. So if you just type in my name, Ivan Lozano, especially in uh, Spotify, you'll get to the podcast a lot quicker. Remember to share this podcast with your friends. Send it over to somebody, especially now during the holidays. People have free time. So, you know, what better than to support the stories of Latinx makers? And follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, Facebook, and Patreon, Archives and Futures. One word spelled out. And without further ado, let's get started with the interview. So enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Archives and Futures, podcast for future generations. I'm here back in the studio recording another episode, and um, we have new guests in the studio. So why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. What's up, Yvonne? Thank you for having me. Uh, so my name is Luis Alvaro Sagun Nuno. Uh, soy hijo de Jose Maria Sagun Nuno, uh, nieto de... Guadalupe, Gloria, y Esperanza. Nice. I love that. Yeah, giving, uh, giving props to the ancestors. Yeah. Um, what kind of work do you do? Um, man, and I do all, all kinds of little things. Man, I do painting, sculpture. I past couple of years, I got into like performance, um, doing a little bit of sound, experimenting with sound. Um, nice. Yeah, just like being curious about things and just like playing around with them. Yeah. Now, I first met you, and this show has come up before. It came up with... Uh, with Melissa, Leandro, but like we first met and I first sort of became aware of you when we were both in the show, uh, present oh. standard at the cultural center that Edra Soto and, and Jose Pello curated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you had these really cool, um, pieces where you were using sort of cardboard and kind of like sculpting that and like cutting it up and layering it and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that. So, um, what was your experience with that show? How did you, how did you get into that kind of work? Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that. Yeah. That's how great. did you start working with cardboard? Um, well, so the way that I got into that show was through, of course, Edra and Josue. Yeah. Um, and so I got super lucky that um, when I was finishing up my MFA at Northern Illinois University, um, uh, Edra was a visiting artist. Nice. And I had my thesis show up. Nice. And her and Dan came in and uh, looked at the work. And I, I wasn't there, you know, later on. Um, that we, we did like a little, like we had like pizza afterwards um michael ray brought them in right and so like michael ray invited me to get some pizza and we're just hanging out and she liked the work they were super super amazing like it was a, uh, you know of course edra is amazing and like she's just, incredible she's yeah. a character yeah and so just to to see her and having pizza and hanging out and just having someone that you know i could relate to just mm-hmm. kind of like being themselves and like she was like jamming out i can't remember if it was like beyonce or something i don't know it was like but it was having a good time and so anyways so then um she invited me to that show and, and so I just I felt really thrilled to to be a part of that and it was my first time like meeting so many like Latinx artists and being a part of like artists that I admire and so it was really cool to be there um, and the pieces that I had there is a uh, part of my cardboard series which is uh, the pieces called conflicts of desire um, and this is what I was working on in, in grad school where I would go out into a community and I'd pick up cardboard specific in specific areas and then okay so that was all that was all uh, repurposed cardboard yeah mm-hmm all the pot, all, you know, and I would like glue it all together. Mm-hmm. And then I was like in, in, in grad school, I was experimenting with like trying to see if like what my, like my artistic hand was like trying to develop my own voice. And so I was using yeah. like different types of, uh, instead of traditional materials, like paintbrushes and that I was using like materials, like sawzalls and cut off wheels, things nice. that I would use from my construction background. And nice. so that's how those kind of developed from like just experimenting and cutting and slicing 
trying to find different ways to make a mark that I could like feel at that point you know, in grad school. It's a mark that could be mine, you know, uh, but I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means anymore. But yeah, so that's how that happened. Nice. So how did you end up in, um, maybe tell us, I'm, I'm always curious. And one of the things that I've always asked people is like, how did you come to art and what were the sort of like experiences that led you into mm-hmm. Figuring out that you wanted that you were an artist and that you were going to be doing stuff like this. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's been like the Catholic Church or like, mm-hmm. you know, their parents painting their house different colors or yeah. like, you know, um, for a lot of people, it's also been like after school activities because like those were free. So they just ended up making art and they were just like, OK, this is where I belong. What was that like for you? Yeah. Oh, so my story is a little different. Like, so when I went to undergrad. Um, you know, like for me, like I grew up in the hood and I was like really being involved, like the wrong people and like really messy. And then to go to college was just amazing, like a, literally a miracle. And, yeah. and so, um, I did what I was like, kind of told what to do to hit these markers of success. So I knew that I like making things, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to be a mechanic or I wanted to be a body shop tech. So I, I love nice. working with my hands. So yeah, I was like, yeah, 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 that'd be cool. And I couldn't find what I wanted to do in college. So I ended up. I ended up following, like, learning about product design and industrial design. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I did that, and I fell in love with it, man. Like, it consumed me, you know, like, sketching day. Yeah. Uh, and, like, so I have a BFA in that, but I think that's very different than getting a BFA, like, in an art school. Right, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, very different, yeah. And so after after grad, I mean, after undergrad, I started designing furniture. So nice. Design furniture. Did that for a couple of years, and then I used to be a, it was like a technical illustrator, like, engineer with like these weird machines uh-huh. that four minutes slice like meat stuff it was disgusting oh wow but um but Wait, it was they really slice cool. meat yeah it's like those you have to like machine. sketch like how <laughs> they, how they, i'm good <laughs> <laughs> so i work i did technical illustrations and then okay. i worked a little bit with like the engineers and so what we would do is like there's these huge machines like stainless steel like the size of like two vehicles yeah and basically um it's like what McDonald's would use, like where you put the meat at the top. Oh, wow. Like, think of like those little comic book yeah, strips. Yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, like obsessed with that shit. Like those yeah. almost like Rube, Rube Goldberg machines <laughs> of like you put one thing on one end and it comes out a chicken yeah, nugget at the end. Exactly. I used those to draw like, those in my notebook when I was, wow. oh my God, when I was a kid, I would draw shit like that all the time. Oh, I still got some illustration drawings. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, you know, so I went to product design and I did that in um, just being really honest, I, I was doing... I was pretty doing well for like a 25, yeah. 26 year old. I, um, you know, I, I had, you know, I was like driving at this BMW. I was looking to buy a town home and like this like little white suburban, you know? Um, but I was like super depressed. Like I, yeah. I, I like, <laughs> I hated, I didn't know, but I didn't know it. Right. Yeah. Like I, like I was making really good money for that age and just spending it in beer and other stuff. You know, <laughs> it's like, and then like, um, that was in 2008 the recession hit right and Oof. then um yeah so i was able to like last it like a year longer or like half a year and then they let go of all the designers so I was like, oh wow um and for like the next year i was just like in my parents house like just on the couch like super oh, like um but it was like the best thing that happened to me right because like i had like a severance package nice i uh i cashed out like fun employment <laughs> yeah uh yeah, I had a little bit of 401k and I was in unemployment. I was like, you know, so I took, I had the privilege to just sort of take a step back and be like, I don't know what I want to do. This isn't what I want to do with my life. Like, I'm really depressed. I, I don't know what's happening. And um, I did that. I did nothing for about a year. And then um, one day I just got out of the couch and I was like, I, 
I had enough, you know, I went for a walk and I kid you not, like I'm from Chicago Heights and the south side of Chicago and um, block and a half, there's an art gallery and I walk in there and it's a non-for-profit, you know, community art gallery. Yeah. Um, the people that are beautiful, you know, shout out to Union Street Gallery. Shout out. <laughs> and uh, they just embraced me, man. I went in there and uh, got really excited about art, about drawing. And, and I did an internship there, unpaid internship for a year. And I fell in love with, with art. And ever since then, went back to school for art. Um, and that's like how, how like I got into back into making, like becoming a painter and a sculptor. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's an interesting way to get at it. Um, because I guess you already had all this technical background, so it makes sense that you would, well, I mean, in, in my head, that yeah. you would, like, go for all these different materials because you knew yeah. traditional ways of, like, production, I guess. Yeah. One of the things I also remember sort of thinking when I saw your work, and then this made a lot more sense as I saw more of your work, um, and you mentioned it in, in, in your artist statement, was um, the place that, like, materials and, like, I think your grandma as a curandera sort of had yeah. like an impact on the way that you think about materials and, 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 and making, when did that come into the work for you? Oh, that's a great question. I think for me, I always say that like art is about like how I learn about like how to, I learn about myself and about the world around me. Yeah. And, and so I started being really selfish to see what I could abuse art so that I could become a better person or learn uh -huh. more. And so I created a mythology Nice. Um, yeah. So, I, so, you know, after grad school, I was in Roswell in a residency and it was a time for me to just like really reflect. And I was alone, you know, in the desert. And and I started um, wanted to just to think about st telling stories and using m materials and content and who I was and my narratives and my family. So I created a mythology uh, based on uh, two of my friends that were murdered um, through gun and gang violence. And um, so it made me face these traumas that I had put away for so long, yeah. you know, I had forgotten the names of my friends that had passed because oh, I just sure, put it yeah. away. Um, never talked about it. Um, and I was just creating this mythology. And so I was thinking about them every day, thinking about that and just thinking about my childhoods. Um, and so my grandma kind of came into place and, um, because she was such a strong woman in my life. Um, and she's very spiritual, you know, and she, um, she and, and people in my family always said that I had inherited you know, um, these sort of like psychic or spirituality. Mm -hmm. And um, so I have tons of stories about that. But <laughs> um, at that time, I was like curious. right? Yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't I'm, I was afraid of believing that that was true, but I was also curious. And so why not use art as a way to like answer that for me on my own terms? And so I mixed I started mixing, I guess, calling and mixing the spirituality with mythology, with stories and just allowing the work to to like tell me what was happening yeah uh, so okay. yeah that's also been an, an interesting thing to think about for me and i definitely do this i think that um for myself in the way that i make things a lot of times is like trying to like find a link with the past mm -hmm. either like my own culture or generations of people that i've never met or whatever and that's yeah. like one of the things that art has been like really helpful for me to, to kind of create those links because institutional racism imperialism yeah. blah 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 but like yeah. we don't have access to them like Absolutely. i don't have access to like really know where i came from fully yeah um because yeah because it was a race because it's part of like the yeah. way that it's we're controlled yeah. right exactly. so so how was that for you to sort of start to kind of dig into this after you've been yeah. sort of like not ignoring it but like yeah kind of burying it a little bit mm -hmm. right i mean it's been great it's like teaching me to be more confident just in the way that i speak about my art i, I tend to be apologetic when it comes to spirituality 
um because i know there's a lot of like non-believers or like yeah and even me i'm questioning like what is spirituality so i am questioning it but also accepting it so that's like my process but it's been really great i mean like we were just saying like they just didn't kill our ancestors it was like you know um, spiritual genocide and yeah they, they so, burned all the stories yeah. they burned all the all the, all the all the art all you know like yeah. I, was, I was talking to somebody yesterday actually about like um like aztec culture mm-hmm. and like aztec mythology and how like well first of all the aztecs were assholes and they were like yeah. the imperial like yeah. the imperial power <laughs> of their time and you know yeah. in the americas before the spanish yeah. came but like at the same time like we have like 20 percent of like what like aztec like mysticism was really about and yeah, yeah there's all these sort of hidden things that we don't really know about and they keep sort of coming out so yeah 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 so you know i yeah exactly what you're saying so for me it was like oh i could um right now i'm doing this series of paintings where i'm like recreating my ancestors Mm. um through you know so i mix and match like body parts from like my grandma's and grandfather uncles and i'm putting pieces together and creating like what i think would be like a window to them um to see what they would look like and to connect with them um using like my own body like or or my family like recording my mom's heartbeat as a way to think about that sound that connects you yeah. your heart and your dna to them um just sort of like finding ways like not interested in logic but like how can i be this like quixotic or this with desperation to want to connect and how can i actually do it with what i have available that that i trust yeah which is like oral stories yeah. my family you know and like in my own terms creating my own thing how do materials fit into that? I normally use a lot of construction materials because for yeah. me it was like about creating narratives and celebrating working class and, and also just thinking of like the idea that like everything maybe has meaning. And so it's, I don't know how to explain it. So if it's something arbitrary or like or nothing is arbitrary. So then everything I started thinking about, all right, so if I'm using these two by fours, they represent, you know, sort of uh there's working class, the toughness, or then, but then it like gets too masculine. How do you like turn it, you know, get the energy out? I don't know. So I think um, that was limiting me, I think, in a way, um, just using those materials. And I think there was a moment when I was just like, you know, fuck it. I, like, I'm just going to like go with materials that, that call to me. And I've started introducing like beads in my work. Beads, nice. Like, um, yeah. Um, sewing, um, uh, braiding. And so a lot of more like soft materials. Yeah. Um, and then I've been, I've just been having a lot of fun mixing those two together. So the, so I could still have conversations about working class, about my own history and about, you know, like uh, undocumented workers here with content on the materials. But then I could also with these new materials, giving me more, more, a more place to have more freedom, more imagination. And for me to like learn more about these materials. Yeah. Nice. And how has your family kind of reacted or not reacted? Maybe that's not the right word, but like, how has your family, um, we'll go with reacted, but how, <laughs> how have they sort of like come to like feel about like your practice and everything? Because it seems yeah. like you just, um, it's like, you just kind of appeared. It yeah. seems, you know, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. Suddenly like, here's this like, you know, almost like shamanic figure, because I think that like artists, like we kind of have that place in society okay. where we are kind of working yeah. through things and culture, like through our work. But, yeah. um, as like, you know, coming from like a working class immigrant family that, you know, yeah. maybe didn't have that much art around. Like how did, what has that been for them? Has that helped them? Um, how do you fit into that? Especially yeah. since you're working with like their heartbeat, their images. In a couple of ways. So my parents are proud, right? They're yeah. like, you know, um, I think the fact that I had, because of their hard work, the privilege to select what I wanted to do with my life. 
um, that's a win for yeah, them. Definitely. You know, um, they they don't really sometimes understand the work. You know, <laughs> but I think you know, like my mom be like, "Mijo, pues no sé qué estás haciendo, pero you know, yo te apoyo." You know, uh -huh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that's why I created the mythology because you know, I, so one of the things is like I didn't have a great relationship growing up with my father, right? Mm. Like thinking, you know, like the Mexican farmer, you know, treating me like I had to like grow up to be a man, right? Yeah. And and so I was like, All right, how can I use art as a way to like you know get to know my father a little bit better or or to really connect with family? And so they have my dad has and my family has all these paintings of farms and trucks and all this stuff and he has these tigers like the san marcos you know mm -hmm. and like so that's where i got the imagery for my mythology so that i could be like look this is the same thing that's inside our homes like right. it's the same kind of uh imagery um and and so i think they've been able to understand that a little bit better but they they are very supportive and and i think sometimes when i make work that's more figurative they kind of connect with that a little bit more um because it looks real so they're like oh yeah I, yeah i understand that but um yeah they're, they're very supportive in that way though nice yes one of the things that also like kind of influences me a lot are like markets and folk art so i kind of feel that kinship with your pro with your work that for me like day of the dead Dia de los muertos altars or like things that are made like out of like cardboard and plastic and tape and things that don't aren't supposed yeah. to be like art materials or something really kind of political in the way that i feel about those materials because yeah. they aren't bronze they aren't meant to last forever right. and they're definitely not you know not precious in that way definitely yeah i mean i one of the first solo shows i had in chicago i invited all my family there so they all went and i used to when i was younger i used to work construction with my uncle he used to uh -huh. drywall he used to like general contract work and so my uncle came and, and he saw these sculptures that i made of like with drywalls and all this and he just looks at he's like you didn't learn anything because <laughs> like I, you know because like it's all like broken and like yeah. i'm using it like i'm like oh no uncle's about breaking its identity and giving it freedom and now it's supposed to do this but it's not and he's just like uh yeah like you know like he appreciates it but it was just like for him it was funny because it's like just being really messy with it and yeah, yeah. But, but he was just also just giving me a bit of a hard time but yeah nice. it's funny though mm -hmm. um what was grad school like for you yeah, it was because I mean, grassroots sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's like an intense two years, yeah. but like you know, it messes you up. It does. So I mean, I think it's like a for me, it was a necessary evil. Like for me, education, like I needed it to to like be where I am. You know, I I didn't grow up with like a reading culture. Um, when I was in high school, I never I, I shouldn't have graduated from high school. Honestly, I don't know why my teachers passed me. Um, <laughs> but they're just and so when I got to undergrad. I shifted and I started like working really hard. So when I went back, I was like to go get an MFA. Like I took it very serious, and and I went to a three year program because I needed that. I was like really oh, behind. Yeah, you know, I felt I was really behind, and um, I went to a three year program, um, and it provided me the space and the time to just work. And I worked, I worked my ass off, man. Like I maybe too much you know like yeah. in, in grad school like yeah. I, I fractured my wrist oh shit yeah, i almost got gangrene <laughs> oh in my God. toes and i have two bulging discs um because you know from like performances yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from like figuring like you went hard work, i went hard you know and um that's sort of like the question i always ask myself like what did i go too hard you know but um i went to a state school so um, I had tuition waivers. I was nice. fortunate enough to get fellowships and scholarships. Yeah. So like I, they basically, I basically got paid to go nice. to MFA. Yeah. 
you know um so that was like yeah i and i needed it like i, <laughs> I was like so um i needed to catch up with like what the art world was what right doing like i i was very naive and like very green i shouldn't say naive i was very green and so yeah i worked really hard and um to try to sort of catch up but so it was necessary for me um but you know of course i think everyone has a, a different story but I, I really enjoyed it um although i'll tell you this after my mfa i and to today i do everything i can to wash away all like academic instinct academic yes. thinking is like <laughs> like oh man like i i it's just sort of like I, everything that i do now almost like is rejecting that like you yes. know like yes. i don't i don't yes. want to be a part of that canon and like i i i'm grateful i don't want to sound like i'm not i'm grateful for the faculty that i had on my committee and there were some great people there that i wouldn't be where i am without um, but I felt that also being like I was one of two, you know, students of color there in the mm. MFA program. Um, I there wasn't someone that could really like have conversations about trauma and spirituality yeah. and being erased and like how to reclaim power. None of that, right? It was just like here's Rauschenberg. You know, was the faculty all white too? Um, yes. Yep. Oh, I if. Definitely. I mean, I'm feeling bad if there was somebody. I'm trying <laughs> I mean, to think really If you can't really think hard. of anybody like at the top of Not your head, that seems like somebody head. that would jump up. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Definitely. All white. Um, yeah. And that's like also like a common thing too. Like you know the the the, the years after grad school are just like yeah. a process of like getting over being in grad school and just yeah, yeah. washing the grad school off of you. Yeah. And kind of getting over that. Yeah. Definitely. But I, you know. But it was but that's also, kind of the point, though, right? Because yeah. that's like what makes you make more work and just kind of like work through those issues. Like, yeah, it's not enough time grad school to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like I'm like I've mentioned before, but I'm still like working through stuff in grad school, like 10 years down the road. It's just too much. It's like this concentrated burst of just. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I still have like voices in my head of like when I'm doing something of like judgment, like oh, yeah. I'm not supposed like. No, don't think that way. Like, no, fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, no, that's yeah. You believe it. You believe it. Like, you know. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Getting that thicker yeah. skin and that sort of like um, focus, mm-hmm. and just like allowing yourself to just say like, no, I'm just gonna do this. Like, I don't need to pay attention to anybody else now anymore. Yeah. Or to um, apologize. Yeah. Or to apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Right. Yeah. One of my advisors in grad school. One of the best things that he said to me is that um, when you're making things, it's definitely never the time to say no. Or to like think about what you're making or to judge it. It's Mm -hmm. like, do that when it's done. Like just keep working and then just like figure that out later. But when you're doing it, it's a terrible idea because I hate most of the things while I'm doing it. I'm like, I don't know if this is right. Like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. Um, So what's that process like for you? Maybe let's talk about your studio process. What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I mean, I, I, I think and make at the same time, you know, like I, like for me, like, when I when I have an idea or or don't have an idea, I I'm always in the studio just making. Like yeah. I am one of those, yeah. I guess like uh, artists that are like I'm a maker. Like I am. I'm really obsessed with like using my hands and working because yeah. it gets me thinking. That's how I think. And so I need to start breaking things, putting things together, and then um, that's where it leads me into like doing research more. I mean like oh this is interesting that I came across this. Um, what what does that mean? And then I start doing more research. So like for example, I was um, I had this old drawing from from grad school, and it was of my cousin, and I drew it was his life size drawing with with the armor. And then um, I put that away, and then I think 
couple months ago I, I found it I pulled it out and um, I was doing research on um, like on Hernan Cortes mm -hmm. and um, there's a painting that used it used to be at the White House um, when the United States took over the land of Mexico they had this painting of Hernan Cortes and all the soldiers called themselves new conquistadors um, so it's, yeah it's like ugh. Um, you guys can't see this but I just made a face <laughs> And so the armor is is very similar, almost identical in the shape and everything that's happening with Hernan Cortes. And so that got me doing research of like, got me thinking of like wanting to use art as a way to, to talk about that. Um, and also like I, you know, my last name Sagun comes from like the Franciscan mm -hmm. uh, Bernardino Sagun that did the Florentine yeah. Codex and also realizing that um, some of my ancestors are from Spain and how do you reconcile that you're part colonizer and indigenous and um, and I think the only way I know how to think about it and process it is through making and so um, and now I'm doing a lot of research and and figuring out like now we could talk about this idea of power right of like growing up for me growing up in white suburbia in, in white neighborhoods where um, people were like blatantly racist to me and like yeah. I felt, you know, like white supremacy, right? Like I felt that that white people were smarter. That, yeah. yeah, I just felt inferior. Um, I probably didn't have the language or, or the guts to say that out loud, but deep down, I, I felt yeah, it's that. an internalized, yeah, yeah, sort of hurt, yeah, and wound. Exactly. And then when you think to like heroes, even though Aztec, like we're not all Aztecs, and like if our ancestors are Aztec, it doesn't mean they were the kings and queens, you know? Right, like yeah. we could have been, you know, but but at least when you would those are popular things. So I would be like, okay, well, we're Aztecs. And then you're thinking like, oh, but you know, then they got conquered by a handful of people. Then if you think of power in the terms of how it's being presented here in this country of like aggression yeah. and kill. And then so, but if we think of power in a different way, like empathy, vulnerability, and, but also demything those, those stories that yeah, they were yeah, told, yeah. right? So there's, so I'm doing a lot of research and that all just came from me like drawing an armor. And so like now it's like I'm doing all of this research so I could create this body of work so that I could work with youth, youth of color. And nice. so to find ways to, to empower and to talk about nice. these things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Chicago's kind of a great town in that there's, um, there's a few spaces that kind of really do that job really well. Like there's so many, um, Latinx artists and, and, and Hispanic and Latino artists in Chicago that come, for example, for like Yolo Cali Art Center yeah. or uh, different programs like that, like early college program and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That And it's just so important, like exactly what you're saying, yeah. to just kind of like pull these kids aside and be like, listen, like, don't believe what they're telling you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Being that, you know, being that person. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I... That's something that me as, like, somebody who's, like, getting up there, like, in my, like, late 30s, like, I'm taking so fucking seriously of, like, I also just kind of have to, like... I mean, this is part of, like, what the point of this podcast is, but, like, just to kind of give this example, like, no, like, they might tell you that you can't do this, but, like, here's a bunch of people that did. Like, yeah. you don't need to pay attention to that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's powerful. You know, like, I I, I work at the MCA, mm -hmm. and... I work with uh, CPS, yeah, um, K through twelve, um, and also sometimes adults as well. Um, but the power that's there, so like I, uh, so I'm an artist guide slash teaching artist, you nice. know, and I, I work with students, and students come in, and we talk about art, 
um, but it's inquiry based. So I ask them a lot of questions about themselves, about the art, and we have conversations and they lead the way. Um, but when, 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 you know, like the youth of color come in or like when someone that, that identifies as Latinx or Mexican, you know, I'm talking to them and, and they're like, wait, wait, like your name is Louise? Like, yeah. You're like, yeah, my name is Luis too. I was like, no, stop lying to me. Like, yes, it is. I was like, that makes us tocayos. And like, this kid's mind is blown, you yeah. know? And he's like, well, you're, you're the teacher? I'm like, yeah, we'll be hanging out today. And just the look in their eyes, man, is nice. incredible. It's like, and so moments like that, right, keep me going. And it's like, so that's, we started having conversations and it just being there in the space that, honestly wasn't created for us right? not at all like, no it was so, created to yeah, keep us out exactly and so like now we're in there we are taking up space we're being loud we yep. yell we we scream we make parades like we nice, like yeah. we like take up we're unapologetic and it's amazing and so i want to continue every time now like that's shaped my work so much whenever i make paintings and sculpture i'm always thinking like okay like so now how can i connect with the youth with this like how can we use this as a way to have a discussion? Maybe let's talk about uh, the MCA a little bit more. I know that uh, I wanted to talk, for example, and thinking also about like how your like um, your practice has kind of expanded. But one of the things I wanted to bring up was uh, "Pain Is Our North Star" performance that you did there in 2018. Yeah, what was that process like for you? Um, maybe maybe you can describe it a little bit too, because it was like performance, and you created some of the objects. Yeah, um, so I created a large-scale sculpture um, called The Performance. And we workshopped, I workshopped with, um, in collaboration with Semanticos mm -hmm. um, and Folklorico Morquexali. Sorry, I can never pronounce the name. But um, so I created a sculpture, and then I worked with folkloric dancers, um, nice. little ones, mm -hmm. and then um, Semanticos uh, Contemporary Dance. Okay. And so the idea was to mix the contemporary with the traditional. Um, and there was a vessel there, which was my sculpture. And so we workshopped together a performance that was uh, like a final lullaby to my friend that was murdered. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so it was sort of, it was a behind the scenes, like how do artists choreograph and work with and collaborate and create performances? So we did everything live. Um, we, you know, we, we first started off with, um, I think it was like the folkloric, like traditional, like Jalisco dancing with, and there were like a couple kids dancing there and then we would move with and then that would stop and then the contemporary dancer tina would come in and she would like sort of like improv and then we would pause it and be like okay you know and i had the microphone like okay so right now i'm thinking okay this is how you normally dance and then this is contemporary but notice that tina is also latinx but you see when the little kid just looked at her and like you know like you see that moment like that's what i want i'm thinking about like how can we expand on that moment and you know so i just kind of like you just sort of yeah show or like reveal the curtain of like the thinking process behind that um and then afterwards instead of having a q and a we had a reverse q and a where, ah. like, so we shifted like where i and the dancers were in control of the questions and we asked questions like um so for example they have folklore dancing and i was like other than today like where else have you seen this kind of dancing you know and so it's like oh we're at a restaurant or these other places yeah um so it was the idea of like again like breaking the hierarchy that this folkloric dancing isn't as special or as tasteful as contemporary dance. And also that led into having conversations about why you shouldn't wear this type of clothing for like costumes, which, you know, right. um, so it was that idea of sort of like being generous to the public and allowing them to participate in this ritual, but then also like opening up the space to have these conversations of like, 
where maybe we could answer some of these questions that are problematic and have and, and use pain as a way to guide us to remind us that we're all human and we're all struggling. But if we have conversations that we could find a meeting ground. So that's, I guess, where the title comes from, too, right? Pain yeah. is a North Star. Pain is a North Star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that, you know, thinking about, like, routes of migration, and then you and I were born in the same city, Guadalajara. Yeah. And we both ended up here, sort of, like, keep going north, and how, like, <laughs> that, like, Mexican diaspora has just, like, ended up in Chicago and then further north. But um, but thinking but, of ritual um, in this MCA performance, um, I really like what the MCA is doing with the commons and including people that don't always, well, that, let's just remove the always that don't get the attention in like the main galleries Mm -hmm. and bringing in like local artists and artists of color and allowing them to sort of have these spaces to 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 workshop stuff has been really kind of awesome to see that happen yeah no i agree i it's it's been incredible and and being like the mca for me has been a special place because i've grown a lot there um yeah the as a educator um as an artist has influenced me um, so it'll always have a special, special place for me, but I think it's also like important to be critical, you know? And I, and I think like for me, the commons is amazing. Yeah. Like it, it, that performance, like being able to be in that space and be celebrated and, and work with my colleagues there was incredible. And I think we might've talked a little bit on Facebook before is like, we're also like, how can we actually create change that is last, that lasts forever or last yeah. strong, last, is last longer. And I think, so the common, um, the Commons is a space where you invite artists, organizations um, that are doing amazing things in Chicago, which there's a lot of happening, which is amazing. Yes. But I think the the question would be is like, how how can they be at the MCA more permanently? So they yeah. so it's sort of like piggybacking off of off of these amazing organizations that they come in and they share, right? So the if the MCA is talking about like, yeah, well, we're diversifying and we're, we're being inclusive and look at this amazing things that we're doing, which they are. Um, but it's through programming and through like, right. you know, sort of this collaboration, which I don't want to make it seem like it's not good, but it is. But I can't help but have this feeling in my gut to be like, well, then like, what comes next? Do you start buying artwork from Chicago Latinx artists so that like now when I do tours with with Brown Youth, I actually have a piece that's like, look. From Chicago, yeah. from, you know, um, and so I, I, I think like that would be the next level of like. Absolutely. Like shout out to the MCA and shout yeah. out to those programs and like Chrissy Lemaster who's doing those yeah. and Jerome yeah. Villalobos as well. Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, you know, the institution is kind of like showing its ass a little bit because, you know, in the main galleries, you've got these people. And then in the commons, it's like the entertainment and you're bringing in the people of color that sort of do stuff there. So like, what's the fucking point that you're like trying to like get to here? Like what? Yeah. What are your priorities here? And I think that that shows a lot too. So I know that they're changing and working on it, but like I was um, on Facebook as well. Like I did like just on at work, like uh, randomly, I was like, okay, let me count like how many like Latinx artists or like Hispanic and Latino artists that were born or that work in the USA have had shows in like the top museums in the city. And it was Mm -hmm. like dismal. It's like, you know what's the point of like going for that? Cause you know, the numbers are against us because you know, it's systemically like we're not supposed to be there. They don't want us there. Right. So it's like, yeah, the, the commons is great, but at the same time, it's like, come on, let's keep it moving. Cause like, you know, yeah. and I, I think I also feel, I said, I wouldn't apologize. Right. But I also feel it's like thinking like, so the ama- MCA has been amazing. They've yeah. done so much for me yeah. in my career and, I've, and they're incredible. It, before I even worked, there was my favorite museum. I think right. they're doing incredible yeah. stuff. I think they do great work. But also, like, we can't be 
um, can never say this word, pronounce it, but like, um, we can't just settle, right? Like, we right. have to keep exactly. pushing. Like, we yeah. have to be the ones like bumping them up a little bit more. Like, ah, right, you're doing great. Like, keep going. Oh, we need this, yeah. right? And providing feedback and like so that other institutions could follow and so that it just like it starts happening in the future. Yeah, you definitely. Know? You know, and then and, and and I think it's a it's not a negative to call people out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Yeah, you know, because like otherwise they're you know they're obviously not noticing this on their own. Right. So somebody has to sort yeah. of like be like, hey, dudes, like pay attention to what you're doing and like all the things that you're not doing, you know, mm-hmm. I think that there's like really cool places in Chicago that are doing amazing stuff like DPAM with like right. uh, yeah. Julie Rodriguez went mm-hmm. home, like amazing oh, programming, yeah. just like doing an incredible job of like giving props to people in town that really deserve it and that really yeah. like have amazing work to show. So mm-hmm. definitely things are changing. It feels that oh, like, yeah. yeah, there's, there's a lot of like different initiatives in, 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 in Chicago and just in general to, start addressing those things but there's still a huge huge lack yeah um speaking about like being an educator like another sort of like depressing statistic (laughs) is i saw that there was like a study in like academia and i think it's like two percent um of uh, a faculty are actually like um hispanic or latino men so it's like well you know when when like that's yeah that's hard you know (laughs) it's like i don't even i can't i can't even be like amazing i have to be like amazing and then like so much extra, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah. so how did you get into being an educator? <laughs> Cause I know that right now you're doing like a, yeah, visiting artist position, right? You're at a uh, Michigan state university. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm at Michigan state university. I'm a visiting professor slash artist in resident critical race. Studies. Nice. Uh, super long title, but it's awesome. Um, how did I get into So I actually have, I think, a cool story. So when I finished my MFA, I did a one-year residency in, in Roswell. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that, I was open to going anywhere in the country. And I did a, I ended up getting a residency at Chicago Artist Coalition for both. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's meant to come back home, right? So I came back and my priority was like... Shout one, out to them too, by oh, the way. Amazing. Dennis Asilo, yeah. They're doing amazing stuff and also yeah. like making sure that they include us in that. So yeah, Absolutely, shout out to that yeah. for sure. So yeah, so that was really cool doing that, and but at the same time, I wanted to to focus on like being an artist, right? Um, I had gotten a little bit of a taste of what it would be like to sell a little bit, I'd be like yeah. oh, maybe I could, I could maybe survive. <laughs> uh, I was wrong, but <laughs> uh, but then I so I just I always want to be a barista. That's where I'm going. Uh-huh. So I want to be a barista, and I I applied at this job in the West Loop at Sawada. Shout out to Sawada. <laughs> um, and I was I was working there, you know. Um, pouring coffee, doing some drinks. And um, that was a lot of fun. That was amazing. I loved it. Um, and I met this incredible person. Uh, his name's Jefferson Pinder. Oh, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Jefferson. Yeah, shout out. And um, he and I started talking. It was around the time it was present standard. It was at the okay. Culture Center. And so yeah. Jefferson came in and I was just like, man, like we just had a conversation. Um, and then I told him I was an artist and he's like, so am I. And then he's like, have you ever shown? I'm like, ah, I'm at the Cultural Center. And I told him about my piece. He's like, ah, I just had my students like analyze that piece. That's dope. Nice. I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, why aren't you teaching? I was like, nah, man. I was like, I, I didn't feel I was ready, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, I just, I'm out of grad school. Uh, one and a half, like one year out of grad school. Like I want, like, I want to be a teacher. Like yeah. it's my passion. Like I want to be an amazing teacher. And I feel that I can't go into teaching right out of grad school because I need to know what it's like. Like, yeah. I can't just come in and be like, tell the students what it's like when it, I feel like false, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's really the one that kind of kept pushing me. And like, um, they, he's for, because of him, I started teaching at SAIC in contemporary nice. practice, essentially, is what happened. 
Um, so he believed in me when I was having some doubts and, and, and it wasn't like, it was just, I was focusing on my own practice and really having high standards to, to do that. And then somebody being like, no, you know what? We actually need people like you because there's people who aren't doing what you're doing that shouldn't be there that aren't thinking how you're thinking. Yeah. Like you're already thinking about your students and you don't even have them. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. um, and so, be, you know, he was the main reason I got to say, I see. I started teaching there for a couple of years. Um, and then now I have this position at Michigan State. Nice. Right? And yeah, what was yeah. it like going into SAIC and sort of like the first day of class for you and preparing for that? So, so it was great. I mean, I, is, um, I got hired and I think I had like a little under two weeks to do oh, the wow. syllabus. <laughs> so I was like, ah, but um, it ended up. They ended up pairing me with so there's co-teaching there in contemporary practice, and they paired me with Pete Fagundo, also oh, shout yeah. out to Pete, it's amazing. So um, that was great. I mean, ah, the students in contemporary practice are amazing there. I really, yeah, yeah, that program's like, fun because they're yeah. so young. You can like you can see their eyes. You're like blowing their minds like every other week, and, it's and they so like fun. work so hard. They're excited to be there, like yep. positive energy. It's like it's really great working with in contemporary practice. I love that. So it was really challenging. Um, because I had two weeks to do the syllabus and get just learning how to navigate the, that school because yeah. I've never had been there, knowing where things are at, finding the classrooms, all these things that you take that you don't think about that just kind of come. So it was it was challenging, but um, I think I was able to to do well and uh, yeah. So it was well, I mean, yeah, you're a you, yeah, you're getting yeah. visiting like yeah <laughs> artist position. Yeah. So yeah, you're obviously doing yeah, something good. Doing yeah. good. Yeah. How's that? How, what was that like? Because I think there's something interesting also about like the process of um, applying for stuff. And you've mm -hmm. mentioned a bunch of things that you've gotten from like application processes. Yeah. And one of the things, at least for me, there's there's um, there's a lot of like imposter syndrome that goes along with like creating those applications and submitting them that sometimes sort of get in the way of like, yeah, letting you get, you know, uh, it, it's, it's hard to get out of your way sometimes. So yeah. is that something that you deal that you kind of have to work through or does that sort of kind of come more naturally to you some people are just yeah. really good at applying to stuff and don't uh, get in that <laughs> headspace at all no it is extremely difficult for me i mean again like it was a miracle that i went to undergrad and so what that means is that like when i went to college i i'm not joking i didn't know how to write a paper mm -hmm. um i I've struggled with English all my life because it's my second language. Right. Like now I'm a lot better, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've been, you have an MFA, I've been working at it, I've been reading a lot more. So all those things are very real. And so when I have to write, I already, before I even start writing, think that it's difficult and kind yeah. of start shutting down. And to be honest too, like, you know, so I grew up in the hood and then all these sort of life experiences that I want to share in writing, I didn't know how to do it because I didn't know if I was doing it right with the language, right? So yeah. like, you're like, oh, so I grew up in the hood. Like, no, 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 don't put hood. All right, in the ghetto. Nope, no ghetto. I grew up in a marginalized, you know, like right, blah, blah, yeah, blah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, why can't I just say this? And like learning. And so now I, you know, um, I just write, I've been writing a lot um, as just as like a, um, an everyday thing, you know, writing my thoughts. It helps. Um, I've taken writing classes. Um, and so I've been slowly, very, very slowly trying to get better at writing and so that I could so I'd be able to be in yeah. like, these positions and try to to um to get something more permanent and things like that. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What are some of the techniques also that, that kinda help you kind of get out of your way sometimes? Like get out of my way, like Like when you get really in your head about yeah. something, like when you're working on an application, like what helps you kind of like move through it? Hmm. Think 
<laughs> that's a really tough one like you yeah. know sometimes like i'll like you know go for a walk or whatever but like for me sometimes it just ends up like i fucking miss deadlines all the time yeah. you know yeah and it's um yeah it's difficult so like sometimes like i've worked with other people like friends and it's like kind of holding each other accountable or sort of mm, like okay, reading each other's stuff or whatever yeah. but um but yeah i find that it's uh it's interesting to sort of figure out if 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 other people have like tricks you know yeah that kind of like help shake them out of it being in the yeah. studio, for example, is another thing that sometimes it's a little terrifying when you don't have an idea yeah. or something that, um, you know, so there's yeah. like some rituals to kind of like jumpstart it or yeah. like get out of your way. Yeah. So, I mean, I I listen to music a lot and I have like these really cheesy songs that I go nice. to um, when I feel such that... as <laughs> are you going to tell us or no? I'll tell you. I'm like, um, so I, <laughs> so whenever I do like a, an artist talk and I like, I, and even like at the MCA or when I teach, I always get really nervous and like panic attack. Nervous, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I, I sing these songs in my head. So one of the songs that I, that I really, I, I don't do this one anymore, but this was in the beginning was like uh, 50 cents. I don't nice. <laughs> I don't even know the name of the song, but it's the one that's like many men. <laughs> many, <laughs> many. So I'm like, you know, like, come on, Luis, like, you know, you've had people literally try to shoot you like and you just there's just people listening to you like why are you afraid you got this like you know i'm in the mirror and i'm singing you know and then nice. like i come yeah, out yeah. uh and it's super dumb but it works you know like anything to like remind myself that i belong and that i'm worth it yeah um and that and that i gotta keep at it you know and remembering where you know that kid that that would that like i you know I, I had no idea that i would ever like be where i'm at now and and um so I'm just just reminding myself that little by little, you know, and and it's okay to be afraid. Totally, go yeah. in there and just like just just focus on yourself, and it's good. And like you know, and like that you're sharing, and also that like you have value. Like they want to hear what you're saying. Absolutely, you know? And, like, yeah. You know, so like using those tricks to kind of pump you up, and and that so that works a lot. And it's like yeah, that in Residente, I listen to a lot of Residente. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that helps me sometimes is to just kind of think that like there's so many people that live in those spaces that don't have these thoughts. Yeah. You know, AKA white people <laughs> that it's like, you know what? If like these assholes like don't have to think about <laughs> this, like I don't have to do this either. Yeah. Why do I have to get yeah. in my own fucking head when like yeah. this idiot isn't doing that? I know. So that helps me a lot sometimes yeah. too, to just kind of think like, well, fuck this. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> I heard someone say like, do it with like that white boy confidence. I started laughing. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Basically. It yeah. makes perfect sense. Like, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like definitely going out there and just being confident. Yeah. yeah. And also it just gets easier the more you do it. Yeah. And I'm also really hard on myself. Like I, so every artist talk I do is never the same. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I have all these weird ideas in my head that, that are just like, no, I want to be authentic. And, and, and every time I wanted to be different, it's a different audience. And so I have a artist talk coming up nice. um, for Michigan state and like, I want to do part performance and so I'm always like pushing myself. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna do another talk about my work. It's like, no, I'm also like pushing myself to do a performance and nice. do all this. So I also kind of do that to myself. But that's another opportunity to grow and to try things out. And like, I think that's part about being confident and like growing and just going there and like, yeah, I'm just gonna try this out. You know, yeah, like cause it's not? not it's not my last art talk. It's not the end of the world. Like I'm just gonna go and like right. Just yeah, try it. you're not like, gonna get shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if it bombs, then it bombs. You know? <laughs> yeah, who like, cares? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like giving artist talks? For outside of like the nerves part, is uh, that yeah. something that you enjoy? 
Yes, but more with students. Mm. I love talking about my art with students. Um, and I love showing them art that I was making or things I was making when I was their age or at their, at their you know, um, whether they're freshmen or seniors. Um, I, I started this blog when I, when I first decided that I think I, was, I like art and I wanted to pursue it. I started this blog called I Speak nice. Art nice. um, at blogspot.com. And it's embarrassing. Uh-huh. Like, I'm, it's like, and so I show my students, I was like, I, when I was older than you, Look at how I was thinking. Yeah. You know? And then it makes them like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah you got to start like, somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love talking art with students. I, I think I just kind of get a little bit more nervous with, like, other artists or, like, academics. and Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. And in, um, in undergrad, I, I did um, film production for undergrad. And one of the things that they told us is, like, we kind of expect you to make garbage movies at this point in time. Yeah. But the whole point is that you're going to make all the garbage right now. Yeah. So that you don't make it later. <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of have to get it all out of your out of the way. And it's yeah. sort of like making and, and production and keeping at it and, mm -hmm. and just doing the work every day. Yeah. Oh, for sure. What's what's the experience in Michigan been like? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, um when I accepted the position and I, I would have still accepted the position, but Michigan State University is going through some tough times right now. Okay. Um that I wasn't aware of like it's like the whole like did you hear about the nasser thing no where like oh so, yeah. yeah the the coach right the, yeah yeah exactly so they um they're still trying to heal from that and and trying to figure out ways to move forward and um just this week or maybe last week the president is a new president that they got and um, sent out a letter to faculty, and there's been three incidents that have been really problematic. Oh my God. So yeah, they so the College of Business yeah invited a uh, custom patrol, custom border patrol, to Fuck. campus to talk about their story and like what they do and sort of like kind of like celebrate their success kind of thing. Um, that same week. Um, the Jewish center was vandalized. Oh my God. Um, they, and then on a separate occasion, there was a, a noose somewhere that they what? were leaving. Yeah. And then another thing, <laughs> this, um, I can't remember the professor's name. I probably shouldn't even say it, but this professor and a team yeah. were conducting research, something about how social media, social media and aggression, yeah. racialized aggression, but they spread out this survey and they sent it to, uh, randomly to all the students, I think in the communication um, college. Yeah. And it was this just super insensitive, like over the top, hyper racist. I don't even know if I should say here, but like clearly like super racist. Um, and the students were freaking out and it made the news, you know, oh, it was wow. really bad. And um, that's been really, you know, yeah. um, you know, as, as an artist in residence that's talking about or teaching in critical race studies, right. like how, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I can't ignore it, um, nor do I want to. So um, we're going to be in my classroom. We're going to be like, tech. like I reached out to the dean, the yeah. dean of the College of Arts. And he, he's really amazing. He, he I think he's also new. And um, we're going to I'm also working with uh, undocumented students there called nice. Dream MSU. Um, and we're going to we're working on the list of demands of what the students want, and they're working with like Black Alliance organizations, and so like the students are um, they they're they're moving right, they're, they're yeah. getting in action, and I'm sort of there to to help you know, and or facilitate space or like see how I could what I could do at that time. 
but then also talking to my students in the class that I teach, and we're also going to work on finding solutions for that. And then we're going to come to the dean and maybe even the president with um, finding ways of like what what can be done yeah. or what cannot. Like, I mean, I'm not not that I could solve the problem, but like we have to like have these conversations. And I don't know, so it's tricky. Yeah. And, and, well, well, it's such a difficult time too. I mean, it's come up in the podcast a bunch of times because of the administration and what's happening right now. But it's um, yeah, it sucks. It's hard. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary, and it feels yeah. well. I mean, it is in some ways, you know, personal to us, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then like there's so much anxiety and sort of like elevated heartbeat and just like absolutely internalized rage too. And like, how, how are you, how are you dealing with that? (laughs) (laughs) How are you kind of moving through that? I, I think I'm focusing on that artist talk and, and if, and trying to focus on the people, I think, you know, I grew up undocumented. Mm -hmm. And so, I got really angry when the College of Business invited, you know, custom. Of course, yeah. Like that to me just is beyond absurd. You know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm leaning on. So part of you know being an artist in residence, we have uh, research research money. So I'm I'm creating a. um, I'm using some of it to do a scholarship for undocumented students. I'm also creating a um, kind of like an apprenticeship sort of mentorship role where students will come and help and work with me. So they'll get paid to work. Um, and I'm opening it up primarily to a DACA recipients. So just kind of um, doing what I can with what yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, that's all I could really do. And, and I, I think I, I bring up the artist talk because I think, you know, the students I want, they they motivate me, right? And I'm like, okay, yeah. like I have to, I want to go and do this artist talk and be really confident and talk about how I'm undocumented and be unapologetic and then just be me and then and, and show that right that I'm not afraid even though I mean I am afraid but like yeah. I have to come out and I and I and I want to do that and so I think I'm just sort of channeling that anger into like what things I could control and how the little things like how can I leave the most impact in my time there in only nine months so yeah, yeah. I mean just by virtue of being there and being in that position of like being a visiting artist and having this experience yeah. like just seeing that somebody that comes from from an undocumented background who was undocumented is able to just sort of get to this position is just yeah. such a guiding light and just such a like like a uh, yeah like a beacon of hope for people that really need to see it that you know through no fault of their own are in this shitty position because of yeah. white people yeah. <laughs> because of republicans um well yeah. no let's not let's not let's not forget all the things that democrats have done too um but yeah it's a shitty situation and it's like yeah Yeah. Mm. it's hard yeah (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah trump is in town today which uh just makes me so fucking angry too yeah but you know hopefully (laughs) yeah so what are you excited about right now what kind of things are you working on or sort of uh you're talking about the mythologies and how you're creating these storylines do you mm-hmm. see like um um like a specific sort of um i don't want to say endpoint but like um like a shape that they're going to take yeah i mean so i i when i think of the mythologies i, I think of storytelling yeah and so i'm like okay instead of keep telling or the story evolving in a new direction it's like how can i tell maybe the same story in different ways yeah um so that's something that i'm continuing trying to do um but right now i that's that that mythology work is almost like put on on pause like i okay. feel like i've, yeah. I've kind of created like 
for better or worse, this body of work, right? Yeah. Um, and right now, um, I'm super excited. So I'm going to have a show at the Chicago Cultural Center. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Super excited. I'm collaborating with Teresa Everything's Silva. amazing. Nice. Yeah. No, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I'm super excited. And um, I'm excited to show the new work that I'm going to be doing there. Um, still working with like ancestors, so inventing nice. ancestors. And Morgan is like really large scale puppet. That, yeah, that is... Um, well, it's a very impractical puppet. Yeah. So you, um, I hope to do performances with it, but it's like a life-size puppet um, that sort of represents this burden of the ancestors, but also celebrating and nice. like how do you reconcile with all of that? And and so it's like super heavy and impractical and trying to like control it in a certain ways. So I'm really excited about that piece. And I think it's this new work really shows how I how I've grown just personally in thinking about my own spirituality and embracing um, certain types of energy in the work. So I'm working a lot with um, with saints like nice. like Samantha de Porres, which represents you know he's a patron of mixed races and also the uh, protector of children. Um, so it's like at the same time sort of celebrating but critiquing yeah. that. Um, the the idea that that the saint is is a way to protect our children but then look what's happening at the borders right but sort of like but being so conditioned and believing in that type of spiritualism that you can't let it go so like moving back and forth like that is that you know like being too afraid to like not pray to him but then also being mad because then not, nothing's right. happening so i'm interested in that little that moment um and yeah, so and then there's other like saints that I'm working with that sort of represent that mixed culture, and but then and then they're covered with like different types of beadwork and going nice. around it, yeah, and still using a lot of the construction materials, um, on layered onto that as well. So I'm excited about that work, and that'll that'll come out on February second. Nice. Yeah. How do you feel about your work when it's done? Well, it, I always have these visions, of, and then I create my visions, and they never live up to that vision i mean it's like maybe like uh, if i'm lucky 50 <laughs> percent. <laughs> so i you know i feel that because i i, I really do believe that i learn from what i make mm -hmm. and so i i try not to judge it so much so but when i'm done i'm not always very happy with it sometimes i am very happy but i'm sort of really excited to think about like what i'm gonna think about it in like two or three years yeah because I think that's like when things come full circle for me. So like now, like when we started talking about the cardboard paintings, at the time I didn't know why I was making them. Yeah. And I couldn't, I didn't have the language. I didn't know why. Um, and being in grad school, like they want you to like, you know, to like to have explain everything. It. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, oh yeah. Like I was talking about trauma and like these layers and scars and like I was going through, I didn't have this way to express it. So I was, you know, so like now I'm like, now I well, know, it's also like brown know? skin. I mean, one of right. the things that I thought a lot about those things is that, you know, yeah, it's like it's this brown material that you're like making yeah. these scars on and these marks on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that I get excited about is like knowing that maybe in the future I'll, I'll be able to look back and be like, oh, I, I could see where I was going and now I'm a little further along. Um, but I have mixed mixed feelings about how it, how it ends up. It's I think it's always hard as an artist to like. To be satisfied, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going off of that question a little bit more, you brought me this really cool, uh, talismanic whistle. When I'm making work, a lot of the times I sort of think of it as like spells or, mm. um, or like an incantation or something, or I'm yeah. putting all these things together, like have an effect in the world. Like that's always something that's going on in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you mentioned spirituality. What is what happens to the pieces like once you're done? Is it like or or when you're making them? How are they like characters? Are they beings on themselves? Are they just objects? How does that sort of work in your head when you're making work? Yeah, they. Um, that's a great question, by the way. Um, for me, they have a life. So after I show these pieces, or like when I show pieces, I have a solo show, and then when they come back home to me or to my studio, they be they're very personal. So yeah. they become. Like, for example, I have this piece that'll be at the culture center that it, it ended up becoming some sort of altar, but it wasn't ever intended to be that. It was just, that was for me. Yeah. Um, when the work came back, I created this space where I could feel comfortable, where I could be and channel energy and no one had access to it. And, and I just sort of, I guess, curated, put things together for me, just for me. Um, and then I had a studio visit and people were like, whoa, you know. And then now I'm like, oh, now I'm going to show it. That's kind of weird. So for me, they're much more than just objects. They, yeah. they really contain a lot of meaning. And they, they, I really believe that they're vessels for me to channel my nice. ancestors and spirits. You know, like I was just working on this on this piece, this, this drawing um, titled Jose Morales. And like it making that artwork for me was a way to time travel, right? Like nice. spiritually yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and connect. And and I think that's why I love art still so much. Like I, ne you know, like it's it's never fails to like provide me with an experience that I've never had before. Yeah, you know. So like Jose Morales is um was an alias that was created by it's like three of my aunts, two uncles, and a cousin that were all undocumented that worked under the alias Jose Morales. And so I'm creating like three or four paintings that I mix match all of their faces. Oh and wow. Then, um, and so when I'm sitting there rendering their faces, putting it together. Of feeling all of those memories from like it was like in 2001 being at like La Vivita and shopping and like mm -hmm. and so that for me is like what gives me the ability to go back in time and to connect and and had so it has a lot of that energy that's that's happening for me um so they they become very sacred yeah um, and I I think that's Again, thinking back of like MFA and this academic instinct, like that's in at least for me in my experience, like that wasn't a way to talk about your work. You yeah, know? they discourage like, that, yeah, which is a very white Protestant yeah. thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a painting you're gonna put right. it on the wall, but it's an object yeah, to sell. Hey, but I'm, you know, I've been thinking about like, it's my sound silly, but the like, if something is meaningful or something is full of meaning, and like, what's the similarities or the differences. And I That's think for question. me, um, my work is very meaningful to me at, at certain, at, at various levels, but they're full of meaning in the way that we could, we could talk about the content of the material, um, the history of beads and what they could represent and what they're doing. Um, and then there's also representation where we could um, talk about a person yeah. or people. Um, so yeah, I try to, to put all those pieces together. Nice. Do you have any, um, sort of rituals in the studio where you're going to start working to sort of like clear your mind or get in a specific headspace. So for example, one of the things yeah. that I do, I always light incense. You also see here, like there's like a ton of light here. So yeah. I want to have like this like altered environment. That's like this, like yeah. kind of like almost like I think of it as like a pocket dimension. It's like when I'm in the studio, mm -hmm. I'm not in the real world. It's this like suspended yeah. animation space for me. And you know, some people like just need like a snack and music or, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, some people need to like meditate for a little bit. Is there anything that helps you kind of get in that? headspace or is this something that kind of comes naturally when you start working or using your hands i think it's a little both like it does come natural 
um, to start making because in a way that is my ritual. Yeah. So if I come into the studio, if I just start breaking things or, you know, nice. things together little by little, like that gets me in the mindset. Yeah. But I do do different things to like music also works. Um, but I'm, I'm a little hesitant with music because sometimes that dictates yeah, what I it do. Yeah, like bleeds into the art a little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but when I had that altar piece in my studio, um, I would just sort of like lay. So because I have like two bulging discs now on my back. Oh, so um, I'm learning to, to slow down. And I think that it's been a blessing in that way as well. So that like now I, I come into the studio and I have to take breaks. So I, I go in front of these pieces that for me contain certain types of energy and I lay there. Nice. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I'll lay and, um, sort of just remember you know if it's the mythology of my friend and or whatever i remember nice. those memories sort of recharge my soul in that way while i'm recharging my body from like the the lifting of the thing yeah so, yeah yeah that's awesome and that's also that also brings up a really important point especially for people that work with materials in the way that you do or sometimes that i do as well is like you have to fucking think about your posture when you're doing it. <laughs> like you have to remember yeah. that your body is an instrument that is going to break down. And if you're not yeah. paying attention to the way that you're doing things, and I'm like definitely super guilty about this. My friend yeah. Steve that I used to share a studio with used to make fun of me because he said, you never have the right tool. It's like yeah. you're trying to do everything with the fucking chicken bone. And it's not going to work <laughs> out. So like since then, I sort of like learned how to like have the correct tools for the things that I'm trying to do. Yeah. But also just pay attention to like your position because like your yeah. body is going to break down. Yeah. And, and to take care of yourself. Yeah, exactly. To like, take to Yeah. yeah to like eat properly, yeah. like yeah. stay hydrated. Like yeah. all those things are so important. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like in grad school, I was working so much in the studio that I'd forget to eat. Yeah. I wasn't yeah, drinking water. It's terrible for you. Yeah. I wasn't sleeping well. And that's when my body was like, what are you doing? And like, yeah. Yeah. One of the other podcasts that I did, one of the, one of the interviews that hasn't come out yet, but was uh, with Marcela Torres. Oh, and she yeah. was thinking like, and she was talking specifically about that idea about like self-reparations and taking care of your body is something that yeah. we have to do as like people of color and brown people to just get over all these like handicaps that kind of already come from like yeah. our position and in, in culture. Yeah. But also that, you know, it's up to you to like, yeah, to like be kind to yourself in ways yeah. that maybe culture yeah. sometimes isn't. Absolutely. Especially, you know, like growing up working class and undocumented yeah. immigrants, it's like we're, work, 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 you know, like I yeah. started working when I was like 14 and I was like doing labor, you right. know, yeah. it, it wasn't something light. So, right. There's, you know, expendable bodies almost, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. so fucking depressing. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, I definitely did this to myself, but like, it's also <laughs> like, like, man, you know, like I wish, I, I do wish I had someone to have been like, Hey, like, you know, like, calmate, you're, you're gonna, you know, you don't have to do this. Like it's, yeah. you, just, you know, like be more patient, love yourself and you know and it'll be all right other than that what's some advice that you wish you would have gotten when you were much younger that would have really helped you or some advice that you think like young kids should like keep in mind you know i i think when when you talk to me about like rituals in the studio i think i also sometimes have like daily rituals of like i i read this book by i think it's um, the author samuel betances like winning the future through education it's a good nice. book it's like for like first generation students going to school and he says this quote that says like um don't let anybody else believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And that was that's always been the driving force for me. Um, because if you imagine the person that believes in you the most and then yeah. you have to outbelieve them, like, you know, so right. that, you know. Definitely like that 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 um quote really helped me out. But I think recently the the thought I'm trying to grab that kind of escaped me was 
also I think I was trying to turn it back into the idea that to really believe in yourself sometimes yeah. is very difficult. Yeah. So it's very difficult to believe in yourself when when visually the information we're receiving yeah. is when you're not, not getting there. The, yeah, right? the feedback. Yeah. yeah. The feedback. Yeah. But I mean, I think advice that I would give, like, so I'm, I don't know if you've noticed yet, but I'm a little cheesy. But I think that, like, I want to tell my students or students out there or just people, right, that, um, you know, POC students of color, like, like basically, like, we need you. Yeah. You know, that um, to, I know right now it's, like, difficult because of the going to college and it's expensive and, you know, you have to take out loans. But for me, like education was the only way that yeah. I could get where I had to. So I, I don't know that I don't want to give advice to like maybe absolutely say go to college. But like I, I do want to sort of like call to action that like, you know, you're we, we need more people of color, more artists, more yeah. educators. Um, and so que le chingana, so that like in the future, right? That, yeah, that they'll be for sure assisting and, and changing that the social climate that we're in, you know. Right. We got to invent the future and we got to put ourselves in that, too. Yeah. Um, another question, what's in your personal canon? So like figures that, you know, throughout like art history or like local art or that you encounter that like you kind of keep going back to or thinking about when you're making things, do you have any, um, artists or movements or like elements that you kind of keep like thinking about and processing? I have one artist that I, I kind of always go to. And then I think also just like my community, like Chicago, nice. like, yeah. Um, the artist is Martin Ramirez. Okay. I don't know if you, you know. I don't know Martin, no. So Martin Ramirez um, was, I can't remember what year. So I think it might have been like 50, 60. No, no, maybe closer. Anyway, so, but you know, he's no longer here. He passed away. So essentially he's undocumented from from LA. Okay. And he was, he was working in California. Cops pull him over um, and he had uh, a mental breakdown. Um, and so he, they put him in, uh, at that time was like an insane asylum. Right. Yeah. Um, and so he, he didn't speak for a really long time. Um, he forgot about his family. And so he used everything that he had at his disposal to create artwork. Right? Oh, so wow. I guess a libel and yeah. all, like, and his, I, I, in my opinion, I'm not exaggerating when I say like, it's some of the best artwork oh, that wow. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, as far as like storytelling, abstraction, imagination, just everything is like it just hits you it has all of it um and so what i love thinking about him and his work is just the beauty of imagination and wanting to reconnect with his family and what he remembered because he drew things of from his past mm -hmm. but um he really couldn't remember who he was but he used art as a way to connect back with his family nice. and all these ancestors so last question i want to ask you luis um mm -hmm. what's your relationship to the internet how do you feel oh. about like the internet <laughs> Uh, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I try not to go online. Well, when I when you say internet, I think social media yeah. automatically. Um, so my I, I I try to be cautious of of being on online, um, because I just I just think that it's a tool that that could really is really distracting. Yeah. Um, and it also also gets you. It gets me at least. It rattles me in ways that I don't think it's healthy. Um, so I think something common that happens is like if you see some of your peers having success, like even though I'm super, well, I try to be aware and like it's not envy. I think sometimes 
um, you feel bad. You can't help yeah, it. Yeah, um, definitely. And, yeah. and it's, these are my peers that I love and I celebrate, right? And so I think it goes down the cycle of like, for you know like not thinking that way yeah and that and then your success is gonna come for you and that success right. is theirs that's so not yours is theirs and celebrating but i think i think we forget that in the day-to-day for it's sure hard. yeah and and so when we, when we see these things maybe we're not thinking it at the time for me i don't think about it at the time but then later i find myself really just kind of thinking that it's like fuck why yeah. was i so moody that day yeah you yeah know? and so but then it's also where i see what my friends are doing so it's like yeah. and it's like ah oh, so it's very difficult of like and then also promoting you know yeah but, yeah that's um, a huge part of it especially like yeah. you know as like artists of color it's like it falls on us a lot to like yeah. be our own personal cheerleaders yeah so yeah so it's a complicated uh relationship i guess with the internet what about non-social media internet do you use that in your process or has that sort of helped you out in in your experience in any way <laughs> I've been doing a little bit more research at the Newberry Library. Nice. Yeah. With Anna Lu. Yeah. yeah. She's incredible. And so she's helping me sort of like, you know, I was talk to, talking about earlier about how I could use art as a way to talk about shifting power and using art. So she's a librarian there. And so she has like the map of like Hernan Cortes, the nice. one that he drew when they first, you know, conquered Tenochtitlan. And so like, there's a lot of information in mind that I could go in person. Um, so I do go to like, those libraries um, special collections i've been nice i feel like recently my research the idea of research has been shifting for me before it was more about my family mm-hmm. me my body and oral storytelling and now it's like extending it into archives and special collections whether it's at michigan state or here at the newberry um but in the internet um no i mean <laughs> <laughs> podcasts i love yeah, podcasts yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Luis, thank you so much for coming. That was a really great chat. Um, awesome. Looking forward to the show. The MCA, September, uh, February 2nd, right? Uh, yeah, Cultural Center. Cultural Center, yeah. yes. What yeah. did I say? MCA. MCA, yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Uh, well, you can find me at Instagram <laughs> at uh, lsagun2 or at my website, luisagun.com. Nice. Luis, thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was Luis Sagun. You can find him on the internet. His website is luisasagun.com. That's L-U-I-S-A-S-A-H-A-G-U-N.com. His Instagram is L-S-A-H-A-G-U-N-2. This podcast was recorded, produced, and edited by me, Ivan Lozano, in Chicago, Illinois. You can follow me on Instagram, Ivan Lozano Studio. You can follow my website, ivanlozano.net. Thank you to the Propeller Fund for the support for this podcast, as always. Thank you to La Spacer, a.k.a. Natalie Murillo, for our theme music. You can follow her on Instagram, SoundCloud, MixCloud, or Facebook at La Spacer, L-A-S-P-A-C-E-R, or on her website, laspacer.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.